Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mark Woods, a Metro columnist, and we're here with another Page One podcast, this time with Chris Hong, first uh, two-time guest of the uh, show. I'm honored. <laughs> um, Chris and Nate Monroe had a story in Sunday's paper uh, about what amounts to a $1 million storage shed in Stark. And um, it was supposed to be a cutting-edge sewage treatment center, um, but the system never really worked. And so it's a story of a business deal gone bad. Um, and why this was news is one of the people at the center of the controversy in Stark was Aaron Zahn, the new interim CEO of JEA. Um, when Zahn was named interim CEO in April, that was controversial because he had been appointed to Mayor Lenny Curry just a few months earlier. And he resigned on a Friday saying he wanted to become interim CEO. And by the following Tuesday, he had the job um, um, chosen over Melissa Dykes, who had 20 years of utility experience um, and six years at JEA. So the obvious questions were, who is he? And why is he the choice to run JEA, at least temporarily? Um, and Zahn and the board chair and the mayor pointed to his business background. So um, this leads us to kind of some of the stories we've done. I guess maybe backtrack, we, you had the, to the Haines City story that predated this Stark one. Sure. So you're totally right. He was people who, um, you know, the mayor and the board, they, you know, before they chosen to be the interim CEO. They talked about how he was a visionary and a collaborator. and But other than that, there really wasn't any more vetting or discussion about why he should get the job over Melissa or why he should just get the job, period. So there was little public discussion that anyone had, you know, anyone in the public heard or listened to describing why he was the man to lead the JA board. <coughs> Excuse me. So, uh, you know, a couple days after, um, you know, a couple days after he was or I think it was the day after he was chosen to be the interim CEO, uh, Mark comes up to my desk with a couple papers or a couple stories from the Lakeland Ledger down in central Florida about um, you know, a company called BCR Nutera having some problems with this composting facility. And uh, it, basically there was a really bad smell coming from that composting facility. They take human waste and then compost it into something that can be used as fertilizer. And residents were describing it as rotting flesh or dead rats. And, uh, you know, so those were companies run by Aaron Zahn when Aaron Zahn was the CEO. So we said, oh, well, no one's really heard about this until Mark did a Google search. Uh, maybe we should write about it. <laughs> and uh, we did. And, uh, you know, after that, um, there was a city council meeting the next day. It was Aaron Zahn's first time addressing the council as a whole. Um, he was asked about it by one council member. He basically refused to say anything other than it was, you know, one out of 55 problems his company experienced and, you know, said the newspaper had some sort of agenda writing about it um and so yeah we talked to him afterwards and he said like look like you know that was one blip and what otherwise was like a great track record and um and that that was that and then we got a phone call saying you should look into what happened with the city of stark 
And it was, you know, one of several phone calls we got after the story. And, and so we started looking into it, and we found out that there was uh, maybe even arguably a bigger controversy there than there was in Haines City. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, explain what, what you found. Um, so you go down to – you go over to Stark. Explain what you found there. Yeah, so around 2009, the city of Stark was using a very outdated way to process their their sludge. And so just a background, sludge is what – when your wastewater from your toilet and whatnot goes to the sewage plant, there's a sludge that, you know, settles to the bottom and they have to do, you can't just pump that back into it. Like that can't be true. You have to do some sort of further treatment to that. And so before what they were doing is they were just taking it out of the wastewater plant and hauling it to a landfill. So you had to pay someone to haul it. You had to pay somebody, you had to pay a tipping fee at the landfill. And there was some concern about the cost going up. There's also some concern about the EPA cracking down on that type of way of processing human sludge. Um, and, and so there was an effort by the city commission to partner with BCR. Basically, what they pitched was they're going to have a way that you can treat that sludge using a very like you know intricate, patented chemical process and turn it into something that's called Class A or Class AA sludge which is basically no different than fertilizer. You can sell it to sod farms, and that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to sell it to a sod farm, and the farmer uses that as fertilizer. And it was going to save the city a lot of money. It was considered cleaner and environmentally more friendly, and it would make them immune to regulatory changes. And you know, it sounds that, good. Yeah, yeah. And so what they had to do was they had to build this, you know, basically this new facility. It's essentially a corrugated metal shed that has some very expensive equipment in there and some expensive chemicals, very dangerous chemicals too. And uh, by the end of 2009, or by 2009, they had the facility built and, and ready to go online. And then, and it cost, uh, so they took out a loan of more than a million dollars? Yeah, they, they borrowed about a million dollars to build that facility. I think it was a little bit more than that. Um, borrowed it from the state, and uh, they were gonna pay, they had to pay BCR in the future for the amount of sludge that was processed and they had to buy chemicals from them. But I think the initial investment was around a million dollars. Right, for a fairly small municipality, actually. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so then what happens after 2009? So what we were able, so a lot of the people who were in the administration, we didn't talk then, and that was you know a really long time ago, um, weren't there, but what we were able to do was piece together the story by looking at documents and there's we walked in there there's a banker's box full of documents with three letters on it bcr (laughs) and so it's um you know right off the bat it seemed like there were some concerns just about like getting the facility like getting everything that the city wanted there and then around 2011 there were started to be some correspondence between the city's engineer record and city officials about the facility not working right um and so i think in 2011 um it got so I mean, that must have been when the problems got really bad because they actually threatened to sue the company and the issue was resolved. But there were some issues with the uh, the software work and the software would lock out the people on the ground and or that's at least what the city was saying according to these records that the software was not functioning properly and because of that like the the whole cycle of processing the sludge wasn't working right. Hmm. And they they were um, so frustrated they considered contacting small municipalities all over the well that was by the end of by the end of this uh what's been described as a a long historical saga that was more in 2016 but then i think they were still hoping that you know they could get it to work and they would it would function as the way they were promised okay and at what point was the uh yeah what point was the lawsuit and there was a, a reconfiguration of bcr correct yeah so what According to the documents that we saw, shortly after 
the city had threatened to sue BCR in 2011, um, BCR requested that the city reassign their contract to a newly created entity that they said was related to BCR. It was a corporate restructuring. And um, it looks like the contract was reassigned. We didn't really see any documents explaining why that happened, and we weren't really able to put together why that happened, but it did. And it happened around the same time that the city of Stark threatened legal action against BCR. Hmm. And, um, you know, that that was an important that became an important detail about five years later in uh, 2016 when the city of Stark wanted to sue BCR again. Um, the attorney told them that you know, we think you have a really good case. Give you we think you have a good chance of winning. The problem is that you probably wouldn't have any chance of recovering any of the money because the way that this corporate entity has been restructured that there's probably no assets in the company that now has the contract. And the lawyer said it appeared that the company had shielded itself from any litigation. Hmm. Hmm. Um, one, one detail I found interesting, you said Stark officials said you guys were the first ones to show up there asking about this? Yeah, we, we asked if anyone had called them, um, thought maybe somebody from JEA or the board or a council member would have called or, uh, you know, or another TV station in Jacksonville. But no, they said they haven't. I haven't got a call from anyone. They were they were expecting one sooner. So, so do we know? You know, I think uh, JA high up staff have pretty rigorous um, evaluations. They go so through. I hear, yeah. Yes. Um, do we know? Did did the board members know about this? Did I? I don't know. You'd have to ask them. They they didn't talk about it in the board meeting. Um, but that I know for a fact. I don't know if. Right. Board members were aware of it. I know the mayor, the day after the story about Haines City ran, he said he wasn't aware of those struggles. He didn't seem concerned by them. So I'd imagine if the mayor didn't know that the board probably didn't, but, you know, right. you know you'd know, you have to ask them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll be right on that. Um, you also, there were some other tangents that were kind of, that were interesting, um, that looking at public records that um, uh, when Aaron Zahn was CEO of BCR, um, they tried to do business with JEA? Yeah, they did. And where did that go? It looked like it went nowhere. Um, you know, it, there was one email that um, Aaron Zahn sent to Brian Roche, who um, they had been talking and he'd been trying to, you know, tell him about what BCR was about. You know, he had mentioned something around the lines of like, you know, I know that, you know, you've heard some things about our company. I'd like to change your perception of that. There was also a list of, pros and cons that a consultant had put together about the different options for treating, you know, their sludge or their wastewater. And, you know, I think BCR was, it had a lot of cons. It was just not the, the consultant de- determined it was just not the, hmm. the most ideal way for JEA to move ahead. And in that pros and cons list, there was nothing about BCR's past problems. I think it was just, you know, didn't rank up against the other options JEA had. So, yeah, is that where you were? He referred to his own company's historical missteps. Yes, that yeah, exactly. That was the email to right. Roche that I was talking and, about. And I know Nate talked to him after this. What what did he what did he say in general about this this issue in Stark? And also, I guess, what did he say about that historical missteps, which I know are two separate issues? Right. Well, you know, I think in general he said, um, you know, look, I don't know why we're talking about Stark. Um, because you know we're we're sitting here today, and we're, there should be a story about all the great things JEA is about to do. And you know, I don't know why my past has anything to do with where we're going in the future. Um, 
You'd have to remind me what he said about the um, – I wasn't in the interview. I was at a wedding, actually, on Friday with uh, Pat. So I, I forgot what he said exactly about the historical missteps. I'm trying to remember, too. I, I think he said he was referring to the management of the previous CEO. Who pre- oh, well, I know that. He definitely – yeah, he, he said that, and he had kind of threw that guy under the bus from, from my conversation with Nate, um, debriefing after the interview. He said that – the guy used politics to get contracts, and right—that that was, was that was the quote. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then also, you found a, a lawsuit by a supplier. Um, tell tell me about yeah, that. Yeah. So there's a company Harrington Plast- Industrial Plastics. Um, you know, I think they started a line of credit with BCR in 2009. Um, BCR is buying various you know supplies from them, and uh, there was a check cut. They they got us some supplies in tw- like March 2016, and uh, by you know that summer they still hadn't paid for them. So in August 2017, um, they filed a lawsuit against the company, and uh, so we found that lawsuit after Aaron Zahn was named the interim CEO. Um, we called them, you know, see what the lawsuit was about, and uh, we never heard back from them. But we did notice that on the Friday after the Monday that Aaron Zahn was hired that the company dropped the lawsuit against BCR. And they didn't explain why, and, and BCR nor that company would explain what happened there. Um, but Harrington Plastics does do business with JEA. JEA buys various supplies from them as well, like gaskets and tubes. So you um, might assume they want to remain on the good side of the interim CEO of One, JEA. one could assume that. <laughs> yes, right. yes. Um, you know, all of this, I guess, you know, the question, why does this matter? What would you tell people? Well, I would say that... Um, you know, one thing that Aaron Zahn and, and some other council members have said is like, look, if you're in business, like you're going to make mistakes, and I, look, I, I'm, I would not, I'm not going to argue against that. However, none of that was even discussed when this guy was, you know, on in line to get the job when they were discussing the before they voted to make him the interim CEO. And um, I, I just think everyone else in the real world, when you go get a job, you have to talk about your past performance, and that is always relevant. I don't see why it's any different here. I mean, this is a guy who's leading a very important and a very big agency. Um, and if the board's not going to, you know, seem like the board either didn't have, didn't see a reason to, or didn't have any interest in talking about his past or having some sort of public discussion about, you know, why he should, you know, be the leader of JEA or, you know, any of his past experience. And they did credit him for his vision and his past success in the business world. And so we thought it was very relevant to talk about, you know, what was what was his past experience at his last job? Like, I mean, I think if you're to tell anybody on the street, like, if you go in and interview for a job, are, do you would you do you think it's unreasonable to talk about your last job? And people would laugh at you if you didn't say that. And so right. I, I don't see why it's any different at JEA. In fact, I think it's even more important. Right. And I, I know readers I've heard from do care about this stuff, especially. Um, you know, all all that predated it was obviously the saga of sale or, you know, the talk of selling JEA. They were paying more attention to JEA already. So then when you have someone come out of the blue, they're, they're, they have questions. So I think people have been paying attention to that this this story and, and what you wrote about Haines City also. Sure, yeah. And then a lot of the email, most of the emails we get... Um are just from what seem to be like normal people. But um, on the, the city council, there have been concerns about, you know, Zahn's, you know, quick hiring to become the interim CEO. Um, 
And so there are definitely concerns about that on the government level. But yeah, just like on an everyday level, you know, it's, it's you hear from readers and uh, names I've never heard of and it leads me to think they're just ordinary people. And it it seems to be something they're concerned about as well. So, yeah, I know that happened after the Haines City story. How about after after the Stark story ran out? Uh, yeah, we Sunday? got emails. We got some interesting phone calls. Um, I'm not really going to go into more detail on that. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, I think a lot of people appreciated knowing, learning about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another well done story. And, um, thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much, Chris. And, um, if you didn't see the story, you can find it on jacksonville.com. And thanks for listening to another page one podcast. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.